We were just in this very recently in our uh, readings we're doing together, our monthly readings we're doing together as a church, and so this is familiar with very many of you. I want to especially draw your attention to verse 2. Notice a word at the beginning there that we spent some time on just recently, and that's the word beseech. It means to implead, to implore, to ask with a passion and a fervency. He said, I beseech Eodius and beseech Sintichi that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Eodius and Sintichi are ladies, women who were in the church at Philippi there together. And this church, which was so singularly blessed by the Lord, had uh, some very blessed workers in it and people in it. But the church at Philippi, like all churches then and now, was a church composed of people. And people in various steps of what the relationship is with the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps there were people in that congregation, although they were not in the church, but they were in the congregation when the church met together, that were not saved people. I imagine at Philippi they had that. Always we have that. And then there were people who were in the church. They were saved people who at any given time may or may not have been walking with the Lord. At any given time may or may not have been uh, conducting themselves in a way consistent with what the Bible teaches. And God had a statement made here, which He chose to preserve, where these two ladies are called by name. I don't believe that's to perpetuate their embarrassment down through the generations, rather because there's a truth attached to it. And He, he says to them, Paul does, as he's writing under the Spirit of God, He sends back to this church and where you have Clement and other ladies that were laborers, Thank God for the good laborers that our ladies are and the work of God. Thank God for the good place that ladies occupy. But he said, I beseech Eodius and beseech Sintichi. He said, I'm begging you sisters to do something. And he said, that's be of the same mind in the Lord. I want to speak to you this evening on the subject of who wins. Who wins? The name Eodius, the dominant meaning of the name means fragrant. Isn't that a neat name? Fragrant. That's a, that's a good word for a gal. Kind of a subordinate uh, definition is fine traveling. <laughs> I guess she'd smell good to have on a trip. Amen? And uh, fragrant and fine traveling. Synthety has a contrast of name meaning. I don't know either of the sister's dispositions. Means an accident. Not a kind thing to name your child. Subordinate meaning is with fate. Quite a contrast in names, if nothing else. And uh, I don't know if any of that played out in their, in their character or their disposition or anything, but I do know those were their names uh, with that. And... Paul beseeches these two sisters, if you look at it, 
And not a lengthy message this evening, but very powerful if you'll catch it. Because very scriptural, how it can be a help. Remember, our subject is who wins. Get that, get that in your mind. Who wins? That question. He's, he's begging them. He's beseeching them. He's imploring them that they do what? Be of the same what? Mind in the Lord. Now, here's the thing about it. It's evident by what's written that they were of different minds. Not that they thought differently, not that they, maybe one was good at English, one was good at math, maybe, you know, one, one had to strengthen this area and another in another area. That's not what that means when he's beseeching them, strong word, to be of one mind. Evidently, they were not of one mind. Uh, they, were not, they were not in one accord. Obviously, there was some sort of a schism, some sort of a division between these two sisters and the Lord that kept them from having the harmony that God wanted them to have as God's people. It's likely that this had devolved into a, I think it should be this way, and I think it should be this way, standoff. They hurled perhaps verbal shots at each other behind their parapets of pride. They had a, 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 a distinct difference that was causing them a division on a basic level. Not a different way of looking at things. God, God, God glories in and gets glory in the individuality of His people. But as individuals, we are to have one mind, not pulling opposite directions, which obviously is what was happening here. Consider this a minute. Consider that each of these two ladies undoubtedly had friends, most likely had family that might side with them in whatever their mind was on something. We're not told what the situation was. We're not told the particulars of it. It's not revealed anywhere in Scripture. It just deals with it in this one verse. But they had people, friends, family. And maybe within that, one group said, well, I can see Synthesis point here. And I think that this is their way. And one, you know, Iodius, no, she's, she's looking at it right. <laughs> it has the potential to widen the scope of this thing where there could be a general conflict and a schism in the church over those two sisters not having one mind. Since the situation warranted specific mention from the apostle, you think about that. In writing an epistle to the church, specific mention by name about this situation is given. It seems that the conflict was not an isolated instance between them. This isn't two sisters in the Lord that just had disagreement about something. They are not of one mind. And apparently, that's not new news. This has been going on for a while. I don't know if there was an Iodius faction and a Sintiji faction, but I know it can go into that. And so... 
this is going on. There's a problem here. Then look at the plead. The beseeching, if you will. He said, I beseech you, syntagy, Eodius and syntagy, that they be of one mind or of the same mind. Now hold on. That's where the question came in. Since the pleading and the beseeching was for them to be of one mind, I believe there's an obvious question that arises, who wins? Who yields to the mind of the other so that they can be of one mind? Does Sintichi say, okay, we'll do it your way? And just says, okay, okay, I'll start thinking of it that way. Does the odious do that? Do they each abandon part of what they're doing and land in some middle ground? Let me give you these statements. Please think through these. It might be beneficial if you mark them down if you're in the habit of doing that. If either of them wins, and I have that in quotations, if either of them wins, then neither of them wins. If neither of them wins, then both of them win. I'll say again for you. If either of them wins, then neither of them wins. But if neither of them wins, then both of them win. Either of them winning, and it's obviously been an ongoing conflict, either of them winning enforces a sense of dominance in one and forces a sense of subjection in the other. Never can there be harmony and ongoing accord with that sort of thing. Where one has been made to be dominant by winning and the other one has been made to be subordinate by losing. There is no godly peace in that situation. Maybe if you take a moment to think, you can think of situations and perhaps where God could apply this to help you with something with it. So watch this now. Watch what happens. Of course, the answer is in the Word of God, and it's right there. Some of you have picked up on it already, I'm sure. But let's look in verse 2 again. So the question, who wins? I beseech Iodius and beseech Sintichi that they be of the same mind. The last that little prepositional phrase is exactly where the answer is. In the Lord. The answer to them coming into one accord. The answer to them being a unified team to be a benefit to God in His work and His, 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 his uh, house and, and his, his outreach of the gospel. For them to be together a benefit to that does not come by one of them achieving... Uh, Dominance over the other. Neither does it come by one of them just saying, oh, it's just not worth it. I'll let it, just let it go. They become useful together as part of the body of Christ when they both are, have a mind that is in the Lord. It's not Iodia saying, okay, Sintichi, you're going to come my way and this is the way you're going to go. 
And, and sent to Jesus saying, okay, I'll do that. It's not sent to Jay over here saying, you know No, I've got the stronger argument and, and maybe can better logic or something like that. And then Eodius comes over that way. What happens is if both the sisters, these are real people in a real church, if both those people will say, hold on a minute here. The issue is not you. It's not me. It's are we doing this God's way? And we're going to find out what the mind of God is on it. That is revealed in the written Word of God. And that being in the mind of Christ and and getting His mind on it is the case in which not only both of them win, but the work of God wins too. Because things go forward as they ought to go. Let's look at something with this. Uh, In Lord... uh, the mind of Eodius is not to prevail. The mind of Sintichi is not to prevail. The mind of Christ is to prevail. Look in Philippians chapter 3. Let's go back a chapter. What they needed had already been given to them by the Word of God. So when God had Paul address these two sisters, and then it was worthy of being preserved so that we learned something from it, the answer to what they needed it was already had already been given in the previous chapter. Look in Philippians three, not an unfamiliar passage for many of you, and some of you might know it know it quite quite well with that. Um, look back in. Uh, excuse me, I'm sorry. Philippians two. I said three. Philippians chapter two. It says, "If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit." If any bowels and mercies fulfill you my joy, that you be, what's the next two words? Like-minded. Huh. Having the same love, being of one accord, of one what? And that's not either of their mind dominating. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. You have to have your way. Just to prove the point of having your way. But in, what's the term about the mind? Lowliness of mind. That is not self-deprecating. That's not where you run yourself down, speak ill of yourself. Lowliness of mind means it's a humble mind that is open to be taught, it is open to grow, it is open to learn, it is open to realize there are other people than ourselves involved, and uh, we become more Christ-like in looking for the needs of others rather than the satisfaction of our own, our own uh, desires and needs. But in loneliness of mind, let each esteem, to count worthy, let each esteem other better than themselves. Eodius, Sintichi, are not of the same mind. Obviously, there's conflict over it. How do you become of like being like mind? Well, here's how. You, you esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. <laughs> Let me give it to you very simply. Be aware. 
in and out of your little world that looks right here. All you can see is this. Open your eyes. There's people around you. Think before you talk. Help people. Talk and learn to communicate. Communicate, not just learning to articulate so you can be heard, but to listen. Watch what happens now. Next statement. Verse 5. Let, what's the next two words? This mind. It's easy, folks. It's an open book test. All right. Let what? This mind. Isn't this message about the mind? The question, who wins, has to do with whose mind is winning. Is it Yodis? Is it Syntyche? The answer is no. It's not. It's Christ. Because if either wins, then neither wins. But if neither wins, then both win. And that's exactly what the formula is given here in Philippians 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He was fully aware of his position. He was fully aware of his inheritance. He was fully aware uh, of his value and what he was. And it is healthy, right, and needful for every Christian person to understand that. The price that's been given for our purchase. Our standing before our Heavenly Father. So much of life's damage can begin to be repaired if you'll dare to believe that your God actually cares about you. And that you can be something in the Lord. And so here it is. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be with God. Look what He did with that great knowledge and that great privilege but made Himself of no reputation. I think it's telling that it was known that Iodias and Syntyche were not of the same mind. The only way that would have been known that they were not of the same mind is they had communicated to other people that they were not of the same mind. Which means at some point they've talked about their point of disagreement. Contrast that with the mind of Christ. Made himself of no reputation, verse 7. And took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. He was willing to be common. <laughs> that's, a, that's amazing. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And then God highly exalted him. And God gives a promise to his children, born by faith and the grace of God and access by faith, He gives a promise to us with that also that uh, one day He'll humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and He'll exalt you in due time. That's our heritage. God knows when it won't destroy us. God knows to what level it needs to be to best serve His purpose in the lives of others and ourselves. God can do that. Who wins? Iodius? You're going to stand your ground and win. Sentence J, you're going to stand your ground and win. There may be troops <laughs> lining up behind you. You're infecting people with it. Just go stand your ground. Or are both you sisters willing to have the mind of Christ?
And while you may never reach a logical reasoning conclusion about something, you may always see it from a different angle, you can still be of one mind with that. It takes away the bitterness, the contention, and all that goes with it. Let me show you something in the Old Testament that's really neat along this line. Look in Joshua chapter 5. Told my wife on the drive in, I said, I, I'm excited about tonight. She said, Why are you preaching on? And I said, Who wins? And uh, I told her about Sister Eodius and Sintichi. And, and I just stopped talking. She said, Is there more? I said, Uh huh. She said, You're not going to tell Mary. I said, Uh huh. She said, You keeping her in her suspense? No, it unplugs my brain if I talk about it before I preach it. So, a little cruel. But I want to show you something here with this. And this thing of who wins, my mind kept going back to this Old Testament account, Joshua chapter 5. Look, if you will, please. Get your place there in verse 12. And let me just take just a moment to bring your mind into what was happening and what we're going to read. Joshua was the man God had put to lead the children of Israel after Moses was taken by God up on the mountain to look over at the land of promise. He never got to go into the land of promise. But God allowed him to see it, and then Moses died. He's 120 years old. His natural force was not abated. Wesley, that means he was just as strong and vigorous as he'd ever been as a young man. His eye and sight was not dead. And he died. You say, why did he die? Because God said die. I told you before, and this is a pastor theory on it, to take it as such. I really believe he had been in such close communion with God. You remember how his face shone and all that had been. I believe he had been so close in with the eternal, he almost just wasn't aging. God said, You're down. And then did you know God buried him? God God was the was the uh, uh, he was the uh home director and the under he was the undertaker and he buried he buried him. You know why God did it? So they wouldn't worship his body. They did. He, God had to hide it so they didn't make an idol of him. They did some of that stuff with some of Joshua's stuff later. So Joshua, who had been Moses' servant and minister, it's called, ends up taking the children of Israel into the promised land. They come across the river Jordan. God makes it stand up, it says, like a heap up on one end. They come across, it was at flood time. River Jordan's not a large river. But at flood time, getting across it with a bunch of people, you're going to have people get killed. It's too much of a flow. It's fast when it's at flood time. And so when they came across, they came into the plains of Jericho. Jericho is a large, walled city. One of the older cities in the world. The continuous excavation for it go back. It's been built and rebuilt numerous times. Bible records at least three of them. And so what happens, they, they come across and they're in the plains over, now they're on the same side of Jordan as Jericho is. The people in Jericho are pretty scared by this whole thing. This is a huge group of people that they've been afraid of for 40 years. You remember Rahab talking about that? Because they knew about the Red Sea and all that. And so here they are. They're on the eve of battle. The first battle of the conquest 
of the land that was promised to them. They're coming into a land that is occupied, fortified, and they are coming in as a nomadic people, not set up with engines of war, if you understand that terminology, and besieging equipment and that sort of thing, coming up against fortified cities. Also, knowing that the people of Jericho or any other major city there might have allegiances with other cities and they might call in reinforcements to fight these people who've been wandering for 40 years and have not just men of military age, but women and children and the aged and infirm with them. So it is a, it's a strong time. Can you imagine? I know we really can't think of it in the magnitude, but can we at least appreciate the fact of the weight of responsibility, leadership, and wanting to do the thing the right way that Joshua must be feeling at this time? Remember, Joshua and Caleb were the two spies that 40 years before had said they should go into the land. And now here he is, 40 years later, going in. So that's the backdrop of what we're getting ready to read. And with that understanding, look in uh, Joshua 5, verse 12. He said, what's that got to do with who wins and the mind of Christ and Iodius not winning and Sintichi not winning, but coming together in the mind of Christ? Look, it's, it's a fabulous thing that happens here in Old Testament. Verse 12, And the man has ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. And God had told them that would happen. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore. You know why they didn't have it anymore? They didn't need it. I'm not being silly with it. God knows what you need, when you need it, and for how long you need it. And so, they, they did not have it anymore. Uh, but, the, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho. There he is. He's the captain of the, of the, of the, leading, the leading the people. He's got that singular burden of leadership on him. He's looking at this city they have to go to. Look what happens though. He lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. So here he goes. He's outside Jericho. There's this man with a sword in his hand just standing there. I think rather intimidating looking. Joshua was not lacking in courage. By the way, Joshua was the general who had actually fought the battles and led the battles as far as the troops go as they came through uh, the wilderness and encountered different things they had to fight. But look what he does. He goes to this man. This man's standing there with a sword in his hand. Generally, the sword drawn out does not mean, hello, I'm glad to see you. So <laughs> they are, if you will, invading a foreign land to them to take it from the inhabitants which are being dispossessed because of their vileness. And they come in, and, and so this fellow is standing there. Look what happens. And Joshua went unto him. Joshua goes up to him. And said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? Joshua wants to know. I like him. Joshua's a non, no-nonsense guy. Who are you for? Us or them? Uh, look at verse 14. And he said what? Amen. Who are you for? For the Israelites? Or for these people? 
No. Who wins? The odious or Syntyche? No. Watch. Watch what happened. But as captain of the host of the Lord, am I now come? <laughs> and Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship. Look what his, his attitude and spirit becomes immediately there. And said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? You frosted him! No. The captain, the Lord of hosts. Boom. What do you want? Hold on. Let's, let's test your Bible history here a little. Moses was commissioned by God to go bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. The bush was burning. The Bible makes this very powerful statement. It says, And when God saw that he turned aside to see, that he spake to him. God watched for him to react. Once he did, always God's pattern. Once he did, God spoke to him out of the bush. What was the first thing that God told Moses to do? Do what? Take off your shoes, right? Some of you sisters in church right now think you're Moses, amen? And uh, got your shoes off. Look in verse 15. And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. He saw an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ, Jehovah God, showing up in a man form so he could be seen. <laughs> and Joshua did so. Isn't that amazing? Come right back around again. Say, <laughs> so, well, preacher, what's what you thought on that? Well, I've explained clearly, biblically, and I hope easily to follow. By Iodius and Syntyche, we see that. We see that either if either wins, neither wins. We see that if neither wins, both win. We see that it isn't a dominance of one and the subjection of the other, but it's them being in likeness in the mind of Christ. And then I just put down a simple statement when I just kept thinking about this instance and back in Joshua as I was reading the other. This arrested my attention when we did this reading together the other day, just a couple, three days ago. I was actually sitting right behind where you're sitting, Brother Robin, reading by the early morning light for anybody who's on property and such. And that verse, too, just grabbed me. I mean, I've read it. I could quote it to you. I knew the people's names. But man, I thought, oh, okay, Lord, what you got in that? And I looked at it, and I'm like, oh my goodness, look at there. And that was the thought came to my mind, who wins? My mind went back there to Joshua in that situation where he says, who are you for? And God says, no. And here's a statement I put down about that. Someone bigger than the two contestants had appeared. Joshua said, you for Israel? Or are you for the inhabitants of this land? Which side did you take it in this battle coming up? Someone bigger than the two contestants showed up. He said, I'm the Lord of the, he said, the captain of the Lord of hosts. You know what that title means? I'm the one in charge of the armies of heaven. So I'm not real impressed with Israel or the people of Canaan. Someone bigger than the two contestants showed up. 
And let me tell you something. The only way that we'll have the mind of Christ and work together as the family of God like we're supposed to is if someone bigger than the two contestants shows up. May God help us when He does to be like Brother Joshua was and fall down and say, what do you want your servant to do? And in that yielding to the mind of Christ, we'll find one accord and we'll find the ability to say, who wins? God does. Oh, I made us winners too. Look at that. Let me pray with you. Father, thank You for Your message. Uh, what You gave me for Your people tonight and for me. I felt the touch of conviction while I was preaching, Lord. You brought my mind to some thoughts of how I can go forward. I think You did that with a bunch of people. God, may we set aside winning for worshiping. Help us, please, Lord, to do this the right way. Amen. Let's stand together. Ms. Webb plays the song invitation. Why don't you come this evening? I'm talking young and old. I'm talking who wins? Real Christian living. Who wins? Well, they're going to see it. My... No, 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 no. Nobody wins. Well, they're going to have to come around to my... Nobody wins. Least of all, the one who it should matter most about, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. God is not well served by a prideful, dominating church. May God help us. I mean, young folks, I get this who wins down inside you right now. Somebody should get taken care of between you and your folks. It's the barrier that will dissolve your marriage if you don't get it.